He's the outlier. Trevor Lawrence is awesome. He's shown us everything. Um, physically gifted, smart, has dealt with all the pressure the last three years. Welcome to Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, with Brian Sexton, John Osher, Ashlyn Sullivan, and J.P. Shatter. Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, starts right now. Welcome in, Jaguars reporters, Brian Sexton, Ashlyn Sullivan, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier on uh, the Monday as we tape this, that uh, free agency begins. Uh, what do they call it? Legal tampering? Legal tampering. Right. Tamper time. Which means that it just Legal pushes. negotiating window. It means that they start the illegal tampering a little earlier. It just, let's be honest, people talk. Uh, it, it, this is, this is it's, it's funny. Uh, but we'll probably see some things start to shake down here. Um, first of all, how are you guys? Oh, great. Fabulous. Good. Do oh, you, yeah. um, I'll save it. I'll, I'll save the thought. It is, it is, it's a moment though of the off season that kind of feels normal, right? I mean, cause we're talking about the team jumping into the free agent market to whatever degree they do that. And JP, at least for the last dozen years, this team has been one of the major players in free agency every single off season. Oh, they certainly have because they there were moments, remember, in what, 2014, 15, where they had to start spending some money because they weren't spending enough money to, to meet that, what, three-year rolling window where you have to have a certain average of dollars. So remember in those times they were starting to throw money at, at some guys they had drafted and then they went out in free agency the big time like we talked about last week in, in 2016 and 17 and picked up some big names. So. Um, you know, this is one where there's going to be a lot of new faces around here. I'm just curious how they really build this thing draft-wise and free agency. They have the money, and but but how do they figure out their plan of attack moving ahead here in the next couple of weeks? I, I think it's fascinating just because of all the new pieces and new parts and new reporting structures. We'll have a pretty good idea, I think, after the first week of how this thing's going to go down. Go down. What would be fascinating is if we could show your picture right now on this audio podcast with the sun <laughs> gleaming there and your sunglasses on. You're up in the. Uh, He's a golden god. Is yeah. What he well, is. I mean, you you are you are um, you're you're radiating. You're radiating. Well, I'll say what the a future Monday. for the Jaguars is bright and it's staring me right in the face. Yeah, there right you go. Now. So there you go. Maybe the Jaguars. What a week. All right. Let's start with the Jaguars this week. And that's news and notes. And Ashland, I know I'm the uh, the host, but I'm assigning this to you. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. Andrew Norwell's new contract bright and early this morning. I was up making coffee and Adam Schefter tweeted the news of Andrew Norwell's new contract, basically clearing some cap space for next season and making some changes here, and if we had any question, it confirms his spot on the 2021 season, but Urban Meyer's press conference, John, last week basically did that for us when he said he's one of my favorite players I've ever coached. Yeah, this sounded from the word go like they didn't really want to get rid of Norwell. They wanted him. It sort of stood the reason from the very start that Urban had coached Norwell when he was in Ohio State, so unless they had some sort of falling out in college, <laughs> that this was a guy – who had come from a walk-on status, how could a coach not love this guy? So you kind of thought that that was the case. Um, you know, Did they want him to be the number one guy on their salary cap this year in terms of structure? It was $16 million, right? Yeah, perhaps not. So uh, it sounds like both sides met in the middle. And uh, I'm not surprised because, as we've been talking about all along, they like this offensive line. They feel like the veteran – makeup of the group um 
I laugh when I hear people criticize the offensive line right now because if you were drafting a rookie quarterback, which we assume they will, and starting him, and you had a bunch of rookies, everybody would be panicked about that. That would be scary. Yeah. So they're they're taking a very measured, smart approach and bringing back this veteran offensive line. Everybody hates it. So what are you going to do? It's not, trendy to right, hate not the them. offensive line. Don't you know that? Also yes. trending. London. We've talked about it for weeks on this podcast, and Urban Meyer was at the Players Golf Tournament on Friday, had a nice little press conference there, and says that he believes the Jaguars will play one game in London next season, and the final decision should come in early May. So somewhat of breaking news, because I think mm-hmm. we all were along the same lines, JP, that this might not happen. Well, I, I think it's still an if, obviously. I think it was if this happens, then the idea is the Jags would play one game is the way it, it might have come out differently from Urban. So I think they're still trying to figure it out. I'm sure the league and teams that would or want to be involved in this thing are probably going through some pre-planning just in case, just to cover their you-know-what. If you know, All of a sudden there's London games on the schedule this year. But I think it's still a huge if, obviously. It's March 15th today. Schedule's not going to come out at least for another month, month and a half. And that gives a little time to see how things are both here uh, and in the U.K. in terms of COVID. And then that gives you another five, six months to really plan and get ready for whatever games would be. Because, you know, obviously those games are usually in the first two months of the season. You, I, don't, I don't think the league wants to play December games in London, that would not be an ideal scenario in terms of competitive balance and playoff pushes and all that to throw a London trip in the middle of that. So I think it's just a, a just in case right now. And if the Jags, I, I, obviously the Jags want to be involved. Chad Khan wants to be involved. If there are London games, if there is, there's probably one, according to Urban. I think um, that's the And this is a good year to do it um, because you have the AFC getting that extra home game. Because of the uh, the seventeen game schedule, which we'll find out. So, I mean, make plans for it, and if something comes up, then you'll adjust on the fly, like they did last year, and and add it back to the home schedule. But you might as well plan for it. And I would think that if I were Urban with this staff, I'd want to be going through the London planning anyway, because mm-hmm. even if I'm not there this year, I'll be there next. Mm-hmm. So let's plan for it, and then if we scrap it, we scrap it. And from the Jaguars' ticket sales perspective, it's uh, it's a freebie in a sense that um, you know you're going to have a full home schedule, and you're going to get the game in London because this is the year the AFC gets the first uh, the first wave of those what ninth games. Yeah, and you wonder if there might be a scenario moving forward where you switch that out. Yeah, on a year where you don't you don't play in London. I, I, that's just off the top of my head. I know they've always been committed to London for the last, what, seven or eight years, sure. so we'll see. We will see. And finally, late last week, Trey Herndon and Tyler Shatley re-signed to the Jaguars, and I saw a tweet that was very true, and it was death, taxes, and Tyler Shatley mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. <laughs> he goes quietly, undrafted free agent in 2014, but started 10 games last season, has played in 25 games in his seven-year stint here with Jacksonville, Definitely an under-the-radar guy, but was worthy of that next contract. Well, these are guys you need. You can't have Pro Bowl-level guys who are making top-of-contract money, yeah. veterans, all along your roster. You need Tyler Shatley's to function in the NFL. You need veteran uh, backup linemen. Uh, again, I don't think it's at all a coincidence that all of the guys who have been made news about being retained – in some form or fashion, Cam Robinson, Tyler Shatley, Trey Herndon, 
are at positions where they brought back the position coach. Makes sense. Tim Walton, George Warhop. Clearly, they have a comfort level with these guys and know how they're going to fit in what they do. So it, it, it makes sense. Well, and, and Herndon was best, if you recall, in inside as mm-hmm. a nickel. When they put him on the outside, he struggled to play as well. But with the changes there that you're making, with uh, uh, DJ Hayden leaving in free agency, at least I assume he's leaving in free agency, uh, Herndon has a chance to come in and compete and be a nickel. you got a guy. You can count on him, and now you go and you build around him. Well, so. if you don't bring him back, all of a sudden... You're talking about losing Herndon. You're talking about losing, uh, you know, perhaps Jones. You're Mm -hmm. talking about losing Hayden. Well, at some point, it's easy for fans to say, let guys go. Well, if you let guys go, you have to go get more guys. Right. And on free agency, in the draft, there's only so many, so much free agency equity and so many draft picks that you have. So you've got to keep some of these guys who you you believe are going – I don't say fill out the roster because they're more than that, but are going to play roles that may not be frontline roles. They're solid. You know who they are. And I think Urban mentioned that last week, too. You're talking about you know the comfort level of having guys that know how he does things mm-hmm. and how he knows how they do things. Is- oh, right. by the way, I got to hold on. Okay. Sorry, Brian. I, pound for pound, Tyler Shatley has the best beard in football. Just wanted that to That probably was a talking point in the meetings. Well, he's also a Clemson guy, so that might factor into it as well. Uh, all right. Now, big things, JP. And we'll start with John. And big you were thing. all about the defensive tackle. Yeah, and uh, my big thing is defensive tackle, defensive tackle, defensive tackle. And that's what I expect to see this week and probably one in the draft. That's what I think Jaguars fans, even if they're not – even if the position is not on the radar as much as quarterback, as much as wide receiver, running back, if this team can't get better on the defensive front – it doesn't matter really what they do anywhere else. I, w- I wouldn't say quarterback doesn't matter, but you're not going to win even with the best quarterback play if you can't stop the run better than they have. So uh, I don't with, – with Leonard Williams off the market, I don't think this is going to be splash free agency with defensive tackle, but you got to get some bodies who this team likes, who this team believes can play this scheme, whatever the scheme is. I have to go back and match yours up, uh, but Dalvin Tomlinson, JP, and this is probably a, a place for you to jump in here, was he not at Alabama when the current uh, defensive line coach, Lupoy, was there? I mean, I'd, I'm, you kind of make those so. sort of assessments. There's, there's so many fantastic players out of there, Brian, that I, oh, here know, we they kind of run together. You're glowing you know, again, JP. You're route. glowing. You know, it's the future bright, the whole thing. So, yes, I believe so. There's there's a little bit of a window there. So that's possible because – and that goes back to what Urban has said. It, you know, we'd rather trust somebody that has a connection with a player than go in sight unseen on a player we don't know anything about. So that's where the, the position coaches go in and they have to research and they kind of lead the way of who's in that room. So if they cross paths, I think that would be an instant connection here for sure. Yes, I was reading that Dalvin Tomlinson has not missed a start – in four seasons, availability is a great thing, and he's got it. Well, it'll be it'll be interesting because the market is not going to be as robust as it has been. So, I wonder if there are going to be a number of teams that are sitting there waiting for someone else to jump in mm-hmm. and and start setting the market. Um, j- just because the cap has gone down this year and teams are scrambling to uh, create enough room, not just to be under the cap, but to sign their uh, rookie classes uh, and 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 some of the guys they'd like to keep. So. It'll be interesting. This market, 
is going to be different than it has been in years past. I don't, I don't know that you're going to see the massive contract at noon today come up across your right. social media accounts. Okay, you're next. I was watching the Golf Channel on Friday, paying attention on Twitter, and Urban Meyer at TPC Sawgrass on Friday was like something like Beyonce coming. I'm not kidding. I mean, he was everywhere. He was all over the place. He was on Golf Channel interviews, like three of them, having press conferences. He's shaking hands. He's kissing babies. And I just thought to myself, this is the most bought-in coach I've ever seen. I was watching the Golf Channel interview. Meaning he's bought in or everyone's bought in on him? Both. Okay. It was just like everyone was just all around him. And he was talking about the greatness of Jacksonville on the Golf Channel and how much he loves a 904 already. It's like this... This is awesome. I have no other words to describe it, JP. Yeah, it is awesome. By the way, Tomlinson and Luke Boyd did cross paths at Alabama. They were I just there you go. Up. They were right Fact together check. a couple of years. Um, it was uh, good to see. And we know Urban's history with the well, we didn't really until he said it the other day, his um history with golf. And he used to live in Ohio on Muirfield Village, Jack Nicholas's course. And had some good stories about that, those interactions, which worked well for that audience. He kind of, he knows the room, like he knows what room he's in. He knows the audience he's playing to. Um, but I think that's every instant that he goes out in an, in a public event. It's not like he's just going to go fly by the seat of his pants. So uh, that environment, I think, was perfect for him. And then obviously he knew whatever he said was going to get picked up. The local media folks were there as well. I think that was their first time to truly interact in person with him. So a lot of news came out of that too. So yeah, he's locked in. Everybody I think is fired up at least right now. And let's see what happens the next couple of weeks. Because once these acquiring talent, as he said, is the next big thing on the checklist, got the staff in here, an elite staff. Now you have to go acquire talent. That's the, that's the real test moving ahead. He's a culture builder, and he, he knows that there is an element of getting people in the city, fans, the area excited that will translate over the players as well. Yeah. If, if there's energy and excitement, that's got to be better for you know a Brandon Linder when he's walking around the town center. And <laughs> I don't know if that name out, but any young player who's saying, hey, we're, you know, this is different. This is not what we've been through in the past. So um, it's really helped sell tickets. But I also think just generally he believes that the energy around a situation is very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as we've seen, none of us had really been around Urban. I think JP had been around him a little bit uh, tangibly. Very, very briefly. Yeah, yeah, college football, so knew a little bit more about him. The communication and the ability to – connect with people is off the charts and to me that's what coaching is and he sure got that um can you imagine him sitting in your living room recruiting you or your son i mean it's like i'd have to buy just hearing him talk now that's why he's so successful (laughs) (laughs) i'll just touch on it from from a jacksonville perspective i spoke to the oceanside rotary club last week and the energy level for what this means for jacksonville Mm -hmm. not not just not just having a Trevor Lawrence and an Urban Meyer together, but raising the interest level in Jacksonville and the Jaguars. Um, it's so significant. From where they were a year ago at this moment where you just knew it wasn't going to be good to where you know it's going to be nothing but good. Um, and and I look, you can throw all the cold water on it you want. 
this thing is set up to explode and in a very positive way to shoot up and lift Jacksonville with it. Businesses and uh, the real estate market and attention. And it's, it's just it's really good. And, and it's 180 degrees from where it was 365 days ago. So, mm-hmm. JP, take it away. Your big thing, sir. So here we are. The negotiating window will open at noon Monday. So I say tamper like crazy because you are the big dog in the offseason if you're the Jaguars. or big cat, I guess, if you will, because whatever. Uh, make a splash if you feel like you need to right away. But you also need to spend wisely, not just for this year. Yes, there's a lot of money in the cat, but value for the future. It's, it, it's not especially about this season, though it would be nice to really turn things around right away. It's about two, three, four years from now, making sure you can still do business in the NFL two, three, four years from now. And part of that might be, you know, maybe tapping the brakes a little bit, not being as impulsive of a buyer uh, in free agency. And so, yeah, I, go tamper with everybody you can because it's legal and you can go throw something out and see if it sticks and, and go fish and see what happens. But um, don't, you know, I don't think you have to throw the entire bank out the first two days. Yeah, I thought uh, John. Trent Balky, being a general manager, was very cautious when he spoke to the media last week and two or three different times just sort of made the point he's not going to, you know, obviously not going to give away their plan. But there was a smidge of insight when he said, they certainly plan to spend to the cap over a three-year period. Mm-hmm. Well, it tells me, don't be surprised if we don't spend to it this year. We're going to spend it over a three-year period. And it sort of told you that that's how they're going to approach things throughout is is a, a three-year plan rather than absolutely having to maximize the cap every year. That's smart, but I thought, it was, I thought, I thought for that media availability, that was the greatest insight I thought he shared. I uh, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. You're going to have three years here with, with Trevor Lawrence on a rookie contract, and then you're going to set the market. Yep. So anything that you do needs to put you in a position that when you set the market, you've got your team taken care of, right? You've got the players under contract that you want to grow with him. Um, because we assume that over the next three years, they're also going to change from the top of the draft more towards the bottom of the draft if this thing goes the way that we think that it's going to go. So you're going to have to be able to draft better, right? Every pick you're going to have to need to hit on, but your cap is going to have to be in great shape. You have these three years to do it, do it. Um, reading Peter King's column on Monday morning, and he just kind of went through the, the laundry list of the home run grand slam attempts at the very first moments of free agency. And we all, we all know them and, and how, how badly some of them have exploded. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind at all to see them sit back a little bit this week and find a guy that they want, and not go out and set the market. Well, there's the Jaguars again. You know they're paying above the market, which is what this team has had to do in the past. You don't really need to do it. About Bulky's comments, kind of go to that. Um, find a guy, get the guy, get him in a deal that you can live with for the next couple of years. Yeah, it's not a terrible thing to not be in the news this week. We'll live. Well, I think most people are starting to come to the idea that the market isn't going to be what the market was because of the salary cap constriction. Mm-hmm. So people it is who are fun to be in the news and exciting and all that. That's the fun yeah. part of it. But in the long run, a lot of times that doesn't work out. Not all always right. the best thing. I'll finish up big things with this, and that is that um, the decision to tag Cam Robinson, and I think you guys know, I, I, I didn't 
I wasn't for it. I didn't think you needed to do that. Um, I thought you could have got him on a two- or three-year deal, but that's, that's me on the outside. I'm not in their room. Tells me what they think of their roster, John. Um, they don't need to go and spend ridiculously for Trent Williams, who's the best offensive tackle, and a guy who over the next three years would certainly protect your rookie quarterback, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, the fact that Norwell, who, again, he's got the tie to Urban Meyer, um, you know, but they, they do a fair deal with him, that they're bringing back Trey Herndon and Tyler Shadley. But Cam Robinson sort of started that in motion. This was not a great roster, but it also wasn't the worst roster I've ever seen in 28 years of doing this. Yeah. There were some solid players who could have been better performers with consistent quarterback play. And they're telling you right now, there are a couple of guys that they like that they want to put in a position with better quarterback play to succeed. The move on Cam Robinson told me, okay, they know they got to get a lot better. They were 1-15. They got the number one pick. However, they like some of these guys on this roster, and they don't think it is a cut and gut, which happens a lot when you're dealing with a 1-15 team. You just start flushing guys out. They like this roster. Yeah, this is uh, so far much different than when the last regime took over. And all of a sudden, you turned around, and guys like Daryl Smith and Rasheen Mathis were being cut. Yeah. Uh, however, you felt about those moves, but um, certainly, it, it appears from the comments last week. We really haven't talked since Meyer and Balky spoke. Offensive line they like, and they've backed that up. They're going to add speed and impact play at wide receiver and tight end. There's no question. We're going to get to that later. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, and at uh, running back. Um, so I think they like the foundation of what's going on, especially on offense, and it feels like they know they need to add some pop and sizzle to the pop and sizzle positions. Mm-hmm. And I think it – I mean, multiple times Coach Meyer has talked about that it's coaching and not players, and it's the coach's job, and we look at them first. So it's almost like he kind of wants – take a good look at this roster and see what he can do with it and not just gut it because like he said many times it's really not the players that we're looking at right now well when you gut you have to ungut if you will yeah. i mean <laughs> when you released matt we all know Smith, what you mean, for like, right? you, you had to go out and, and i try to get those guys back something to that level you, to be competitive you could gut it and get rid of some salary i mean not massive salaries right but i mean you're going to pay tyler shatley more than a million dollars you know for where he is vested in this thing and trey herndon is up there after a couple of years in the league you you could get younger and cheaper but they're not choosing necessarily to do right. that and not because they've got money to spend but because they think that's the best way right. to put right. a winning product on the field this year these well, we're not talking about star players we're talking about good players it was 2013 when it was just such a young team. Well, and, and that's the danger of it, JP. You're exactly right. Oh, the danger boy. is if you gut a Herndon and Shatley, for example, and replace them with the rookie free agent version, because they were both rookie free agents when yes. they came in. It, mm-hmm. If you replace the guy who's become a veteran from that starting point to the guy who's again at that starting point, well, then all of a sudden you're throwing out a team that when they're out there – they're lost and they're uncompetitive, and we see what we saw in 2013. So you have to have some veterans around the roster, to, even if you think you're developing, to allow the guys around them who are developing to develop. You can't be all youth. I think we, you know, as Jaguars observers, we saw the result of that in 2013, and it wasn't good. Right and to, to go back to the, the point that they were some consistent quarterback play away from winning some games, remember they 
they had six one score losses this year. Now that's what the way the league is set up a lot of times, but bad football teams don't get that close a lot of times. They were in overtime one time. So yes, there are some core pieces they can build around at least moving ahead. Well, I mean you look at it. I mean the Browns made the playoffs, the Vikings made the playoffs, and they played well yeah. against those two teams late in the year when they right. were bouncing between quarterbacks. So yeah, they were one in fifteen, but they weren't this sounds stupid to say. They weren't as bad as one in fifteen seemed, right? Yeah, they sure seemed it. Yeah, they while. seemed it. it was right. year, for a little while. Was... Yes. All right. So individually, though, there are some guys that that could have played better. Absolutely. Yeah, they, with sure. better quarterback play. That's the better way to say that. All right. Uh, the best way to say this is time for. Did you hear this? And it's where we go back and re-examine a uh, a thought, a comment, uh, an interview from last week. And you talked to Peter Schrager, who we all know from a Good Morning Football. And uh, here's a clip from last week, and of course you can find it on Jaguars.com. I'm all in. I I usually am a load of caution and skepticism on our show, and I'm very often the wet blanket of, all right, let's slow down, let's see it before we, before we go nuts over this guy. But Trevor Lawrence, he's the outlier. Trevor Lawrence is awesome. He's shown us everything. Um, physically gifted, smart, has dealt with all the pressure the last three years, and experienced, plays Every year in such huge college football games and seems to deliver in all of them. I think he's a can't-miss prospect. Yeah, at this point, I think he's way behind Brian Schlen in terms of being all in on Trevor Lawrence. I was Brian all in was a lot. I was all in, in a September. year ago. Yeah, he time. was He was at his eighth-grade volleyball game. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it's fascinating how little – naysayers there are about trevor lawrence (laughs) usually there's always guys going yeah but yeah but he can't do this you just don't hear that so mel kuyper had him as the fourth best quarterback he's ever evaluated and mel's been doing this a long time john elway was number one right peyton manning andrew luck and then trevor lawrence and those are the those three are sort of the holy trinity of quarterbacks since I've been around the league. So. And if Mel Kuyper matters at all, and that list matters at all, he's the only quarterback who is eligible for this year's draft who is on that list. Right. So, I mean, it's that's why you've got guys like Peter Schrager who are so yeah. sold on it. So, All right, time for um, Everyone Asks. 30 seconds, guys. And Joe Fortunato is going to enforce Come on, this Joe. like the South Philly guy he is, right? No he's going to do a little Rocky anymore. Balboa. And Show up on your doorstep in a leather coat. Um, okay. With a lead I'll, pipe. Yeah, exactly. I'll start. And uh, that's who do you want in teal before the week is out? I'm going with Hunter Henry, the tight end from uh, San Diego. I just, I, I think this quarterback with a tight end in the middle of the field, as smart as this quarterback is, I think the tight end is going to be a huge game breaker for this club. So I'll say Hunter Henry on a, uh, a reasonable deal, although if you're going to pay him, it's not going to be all that reasonable. I'll go the same direction. I'll go Johnny Smith uh, because tight end. I think tight end is what you're looking for. I think tight end is what people want to see. I agree with you. You know, it, My sense is that Hunter Henry may not be the, the play because I don't know that they're going to automatically say we have to go get the top guy and pay the most. Right. But that position, certainly. JP. Yeah, John stole mine, so I'm going to stick with it. John O. Smith, because <laughs> Henry might be the top guy. John O. Smith has ripped this team before, and mm-hmm. the decision makers, some of them were around here and have seen that. So they see what he can do. They haven't had a tight end that's been productive here in a long, long time. John O. Smith from the Titans. 
All right, I'm going Curtis Samuel. This is a do-it-all guy, and he had a career year at just the right time and kind of sneaky, but the only wide receiver in the NFL with at least 10 reception touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns over the past three seasons. Played for and was recruited by Urban Meyer in college, and we all have seen yeah. how that works out. That Somebody's connection. been using Google over the oh, weekend. Oh, don't right? get me started. <laughs> all right. Shalina's done her research. And he's, and he's young, by the way. He'll be 25 on opening day. Yeah, gotta love the youth. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Says the youngest person in the room. <laughs> okay, uh, JP, you're up next. Okay, here we go. How many years away until the Jaguars win the AFC South Championship? John, 2022. Good, Brian. Oh, I like <laughs> it. It depends on how many years you think Derrick Henry has left. Oh, that right. Yes. Um, so I'll say. 2023 i think they make a, a run towards it over the next two years Hater. and and no uh, i'll say in the Realist. In, in the third season of um of uh, of trevor lawrence starting he'll start a run where they'll win a lot maybe six or seven in 10 years when derrick henry retires i'll be okay with it okay i just i can't pick them when that man is on the field still how many terrible terrible days have we had in nashville where he is just bulldozed over everyone until you well, get a solid defensive line, I, I can't buy in. If you have a two, three score lead on the Titans, they can't run the ball with Henry all day. Remember yeah. that. Yeah. JP, it was a nightmare. It continues to be. I know. I was there too. All right. Uh, Ashlyn. <laughs> it's been terrible. <laughs> all right. Am I the only one who is concerned about this secondary? Can you make that a successful unit in an offseason? Like we said, DJ Hayden. Don't expect him to be back. You have Trey Hernan, you have C.J. Henderson, safety Daniel Thomas, Jared Wilson, Andrew Wingard. I'm not sold with that. And I get that you can add free agency, you can add some draft picks, but as a whole, I feel like that unit needs so much work, and I don't know if you can fix it in one offseason. Brian? Well, I think if you go and add a veteran safety, um, re-sign Sidney Jones, you, know, you, you give yourself a platform to build on. I mean, John, you've been talking about them adding a corner somewhere in the first uh, couple of picks of the draft. So assuming that you've got something there, you know, I, I might go swing at an Anthony Harris as a, uh, as a safety from Minnesota and, and put him with Daniel Thomas and say, okay, I'm fixed in the middle now, and I've got C.J. Henderson that I like. I think I'm going to get better. Let's, uh, let's focus 25, 33, 45. Safety and free agency and corner early in the draft, uh, if it's the right fit, could make a Schlin feel a lot better about secondary very quickly because you've got Herndon now as your depth nickel. Jared Wilson's okay next to another veteran who knows what he's doing back there. It's not elite yet, but it would make you feel better about it. What is the definition of success in the secondary? I think we need to figure that out as well, but I'm kind of with John here. Veteran in the middle and then go young on the outside. And, you know, Herndon has already signed back, kind of like him. Wilson's been around. He's a good piece to have back there. And maybe one of the other guys who has been around the last year or so, because you need players there. If they're not playing in the secondary, they're playing on special teams. You can always use secondary players a number of different ways. But what is the definition of successful, I think, is a big question. You are successfully complete in, Joe, your, in your answer. Joe twilighted you. All right. And uh, we, we'll finish with John. Uh, Urban wants speed and explosiveness at receiver. He made that clear. 
how much does that change your thought on free agency in the draft? Meaning, how much you know were you thinking that that was going to be a priority before, and which direction do you think they go to try to fill that, Brian? Well, um, there are receivers in this draft, speedy receivers. The kid from Purdue, Rondale Moore, will probably be there 25, 33, 45, somewhere in that range. Um, I don't think I'd touch it in free agency. I think I'd touch it in the draft. Because it can be expensive in free agency. Oh, ridiculously you can get expensive. it in the draft. That, yeah. Schlein. I will say my thought process changed a bit after – Trent Baalke's press conference when he was talking about the running backs and saying how you have to add more explosiveness, stating the obvious that you have to have less carries for James Robinson, saying you can only ride a horse for so long. So I I did always think they were going to address running back, but now I think they will address it sooner rather than later. Right. So I'll ask you about wide receiver, which was the question. Ah. <laughs> I thought we were just talking about... Ooh, JP, if you could see the look on Schlin's face. I'm insulted. That was a good point. She is sending darts point. the way of Osher. Do you think, though, Schlin, to, to my point, do you think that they will address wide receiver in the draft now? Yes. Okay. I always thought they did, though. That was just, I thought, I obvious, John. JP. Go on. Uh, I think we, we mentioned the name earlier, Samuel. I think you can get him if you can get him. It might cost a little money. You draft what anyway? On top of it, remember they only the 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 of players that contributed at wide receiver last year. There are really about three of them that are going to be, I think, back on the roster after free agency opens at least at the start. So, if you want speed, go get speed a couple of different places, and don't be scared to have too much speed on your team. Speed at running back. He can get twilighted at that. He went under. He's following the rules. Joe's kind of edgy right now. <laughs> he wants to twilight somebody. Quick, quick trigger finger. Over I think that's it too. for everyone. Else. Yeah, no, we're done. Uh, it's it, it, it's the start, right? I mean, this is what we start to see the first phases of what Urban Meyer's team is going to look like. Um, it's exciting. It'll be fun. It's big week. All right, John, JP, Ashlyn, Joe. Have a great week, everybody.